Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. And what I want to do is I want us really to think about what is happening in these passages because what brought this to my mind this week was uh, something I read in the newspaper. I read this week in the newspaper about a famous footballer called Neymar. And it was interesting because it was reporting in the newspaper that Neymar had had a clause added to his contract. A clause that was worth to him, interesting, it was worth to him £465,000 per month. Okay, that's £5.5 million a year, this clause. And this clause was specifically pulled together by Paris Saint-Germain and they said he wasn't allowed to engage in any political or religious propaganda. Now that'll be interesting if you know anything about football because you'll know that Neymar was very outspoken about his faith in the Lord Jesus. He was known for wearing his headband with Jesus, 100% Jesus. He was used to wearing t-shirts underneath his football tops and being able to to acclaim glory to the Lord Jesus for what was happening. And yet now this new club that he is assigned for have put a clause within his contract to ensure that he does not speak about the Lord Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, it took me back to Peter and John and their experiences here in Acts 3 and uh, a four as well. We'll not read chapter three. I'm just going to explain to you what happens in three. So in three, Peter and John have come up to the temple at the time of prayer. As they've reached that place, this man shouts out to them. He's asking for alms. He's asking that they provide for him, provide for his needs that are there. And Peter then uses those words. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do give you, I give in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he commands the man to stand up, to rise up, and to walk. And this man, he does that because of the power that there had been at that time, power given by the Spirit of God. And that man who had been, actually we read later on, about 40 years he had spent not being able to walk. And we see him then up on his feet and walking in the temple. And as he's there walking in the temple, those folks who are in the temple, those religious people, those people who love their rules, they love their regulations, they love the Old Testament laws. As they saw him, they knew it was him. And what upset them was that there was a focus on the Lord Jesus. So let's break in at Acts chapter 4, and let's just read a little bit about what we see happening here. It says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Greatly annoyed because they had been teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And they had set them in the midst they inquired by what power or by what name did you do this then peter filled with the holy spirit said unto them rulers uh, of the people and elders if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man 
By what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If we read to read on down, we see this provides for these rulers a great problem. What are they going to do about Peter and John? And so they command them that they're to go and that they're not to speak about the Lord Jesus. Do you know, I love this passage, Acts 3 and Acts 4 together. And as you consider the, the plight of this poor man, you consider this man who for 40 years had experienced this, this idea of being crippled and not being able to do very much for himself. To consider what it would have been like to have been born that way. To have been so reliant upon others. To have lack of power within yourself. And for each day to have its struggles. For each day to have its difficulties. And that man, he was brought by friends and he was placed each day outside the temple. And as he was placed outside the temple, the reason he was there was he was wanting to get people's attention so that he could get something from them. I suppose he had it well thought out, really. If you were wanting to ask someone for something and you wanted to be sure of getting it, probably on the way to a prayer meeting was probably the right time to target them, really. And, you know, as I was thinking about him, this man who was crippled, I was thinking, you know, more than likely he would have been crippled. He would have been bent over. His gaze perhaps may even may well have been down upon the ground. And perhaps his focus, I was just thinking, may well have been on the feet that were trotting along the path on the way to this time of prayer. And as those feet were coming towards him, it's interesting to see what it says in chapter 3. It talks about how that as he, as he is approached by Peter and John, he calls out to them. But you'll notice that it doesn't say that he automatically looks up and sees them. Okay, it doesn't look, it's not about a gaze. But he's aware that they're there. It's then Peter who commands him to look at him. And I just imagine that man who's crippled, whose face is down towards the ground, getting this command and leaning back and looking up. And for his eyes to be fixed upon Peter and John. And as he looks him in the eye, it's interesting here the words that are spoken to him. For him, his focus is upon the monetary value. What is it that he can gain from these men? And yet as he looks up towards them, the message is clear. Peter is saying, I I've got no silver. I I've got no gold. But what he is saying to him, he says, what I'm going to give you, he says, is something much more important than that. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And at hearing that command, it's lovely to see the shift for this man. He's no longer now being focused upon the material things, but he's focused now upon what is spiritual. The lasting things of life. Do you know, that reminds me just so often we approach life in the material way. We think about the importance of having stuff. About living for what we have right here, right now. 
And so often that's what happens in life. We get caught in rat races. We get caught in busyness. We get caught in the stuff that we have down here. And we lose sight of what really is all important. And this is what Peter and John are doing. They're taking the focus of this man and they're bringing his focus to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter and John knew this man needed the Lord Jesus. He needed the Lord Jesus. It was the Lord Jesus that they needed to get him to. And this man now has the experience of God coming and working in his life. And what a joy this is to see. A man who was without strength. A man who could do nothing for himself. Being absolutely transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. And that man is up on his feet. He's walking. He's leaping. He's praising God. Why? He knows the change that has happened in his life. And he knows the one who is responsible for it. Do you know I had a lovely experience last week? I spent about an hour with with two brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ, both saved within the last about two, two and a half years, and to hear them bear testimony to the change that God has made in their lives. Both of them are now married. Both of them now are are reading the word each day. They're, They're proclaiming the gospel wherever they go. They're just so full of the joy of the Lord. What they once were, they were able to speak of what their life used to be like. God came in and transformed it by the gospel, by putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. You see, there's a joy that comes with our salvation, isn't there? You take that joy and then you focus upon what we see in chapter 4. And you consider the religious folk, the folk who like the facts, the folks who like to go and to be set in just routines of coming and going to these places of worship. They love to to set out the rules before other people. It's a totally different experience, isn't it? And into the middle of that, you have this man coming and praising God. Of course, these religious people aren't too happy. They lay hands upon Peter and John. They're cast into prison overnight. And the next morning, they're brought out before these rulers. And it's interesting to see what it is that the rulers say about these men. They had said they had been with Jesus. You see, that makes the difference. They had been with Jesus. Do you know, tonight, I just want to present to you the Lord Jesus. I want to present him to you tonight as the one who can be your savior. As the one who can deal with the past the one who can deal with the sin, the shame, the difficulties, the one who can come in and bring forgiveness of sin, the one who can bring you into a right standing before a God who is holy. He is one who desires to save you. And the words of the Lord Jesus to you tonight are simple. It's come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, the Lord Jesus came to deal with the problem of your sin, the thing that would keep you away from God, that thing that has disrupted what life's pattern was meant to be like. He came to deal with our sin, 
The Bible tells us on the cross, he died as a sinless one for our sin. And because he died, he has made a way that there can be forgiveness of sin. The scriptures tell us that he was the just one. And he was the one who died for us, those who were unjust. And because of that, we can be then made right before the God of heaven. Do you know, this man in this story, his life was significantly changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, God's salvation is offered to you. You too can have forgiveness of sin. You too can have your life transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And really what we are as here tonight is we're here just like beggars. Beggars who have found something wonderful. And we want you to come into that wonderful thing of knowing your sins forgiven as well. We're just sharing the good news that we have come into the good of. And we want you to come into the good of that good news as well. You see, the Lord Jesus saves. He saves us from our sins. And the question I want to ask you tonight is, have you been with Jesus? Have you been to him? Have you told him about your sin? Have you confessed? Have you asked him to come in and to forgive you? Tonight could be a salvation night for you. Could be a night of change for you, a transformation of life going off in a total different direction. Because Jesus has died for you. He loves you. And he wants to save you. Wouldn't it be wonderful tonight if you would make that step and say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for dying for me. Lord Jesus, I want you to please come in and be my saviour. Folks, Jesus changes and transforms lives. He can change and transform your life too. And that's our prayer tonight. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for its richness. We thank you for how it teaches us and points us to what changes can be brought about in lives by your gospel message. Oh, Father, we thank you that we know it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sins. It's nothing we can do for ourselves, but it's all that has been done already at the cross at Calvary. Father, our prayer tonight is that there would be those who would be willing to come and just to agree with you in what you say about their sin and that they would be willing to trust the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Oh, Father, work in your might and in your power tonight, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.